Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Hello, and welcome to Bethel Atlanta on Easter Sunday. Um, Today, Bethel Atlanta is your living room or your bedroom or your kitchen or your bathroom or wherever you are right now on your phone or tablet or whatever other thing plays YouTube or any of that stuff. Um, That's really nice to get to talk to you guys. It's the first time I've gotten to talk with all of you uh, since this whole interesting thing started. And I've been um, talking with the Lord a lot uh, during this time because there's kind of no one else to talk to. <laughs> Actually, that's not true in my house. I have five kids and a wife, so there's too many people to talk to. Um, but I, uh, the biggest question that's been on my heart is, Lord, what are you doing right now? What are you doing? Because I, I, and I want to kind of share some of just my conversation and what it has been with God during this time and just see if that's something that contributes to you out there. Um, so uh, as some of you know from different times, I share this kind of thing in, in messages. I'm a, I'm a big fan of history. I like to study history whenever I can. I'm by no means an expert, and I'm not nearly as well-read as I ought to have been. But I, um, I, I just really love looking at the historical context of things. And it ironically, uh, <laughs> don't be scared by this title, but right before this whole thing started, several months in fact, I was reading this uh, history book, and it was... Uh, titled, uh, The End is Always Near. And a very charming title and maybe spooky in these sort of times, but it was actually a really uplifting book because it was this uh, gentleman who's also you know, a big fan of history and he had compiled just all of these different stories from you know, all the way back to the Bronze Age, just early, early times of uh, civilization that, and all of these factors and all of these circumstances time and time again that almost or, in, or people maybe even thought would have led to uh, major destruction, major disruption, you know, big, big problems. And on one side, first of all, it was, it was encouraging to see uh, how God has guided mankind through that process, through those hard times. And, um, uh, and as I was reading it, I, uh, and as we got into you know, this whole situation, I uh, had one part of the book really stand out to me. And it was a section that was all about plague, all about sickness. And it was really fascinating just because as I was reading about it, I, I realized how different the historical experience of sickness and, and plague was. You know, nowadays we have a lot of really great, you know, medical tools. We understand sickness a lot better. Part of the reason we know to do all this, you know, shelter-in-place stuff and all, all that kind of thing is that we understand a lot of how sickness works, which is great. It's really helpful. Um, back in the early days, they didn't understand why people would get sick. And in fact, large-scale pandemics where sickness spread over what, all of the known world at that time was actually really commonplace. Like, it would happen pretty regularly. Of course, we know some of the big historical ones like the, the Black Plague and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, but that was, again, that, we kind of know some of the really big ones, but this was something that happened all the time, and there was just really nothing that people could do about it except whatever their best guess as to what would help was. And there's numerous times in history it was this you know, super devastating thing. And in the book, he talked about, you know, this is something that we just don't experience that much anymore. That, that because of medicine, because of all the, the advancements there, um, it's the, 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 ironically, the kind of thing we're experiencing now is so uncommon that uh, almost none of us have experienced this during our lifetime. And it, it, this realization or this idea did a couple things for me. And, you know, I, you may not be a historical person like me, so this might be like stressful to you. And we're going to move on from the history stuff in just a minute. But I, um, as I was thinking about this, I just, it, for me at least, it, it recontextualized what kind of world Jesus was walking into when he showed up. There's, there's a lot, uh, many, many ways that the world that Jesus stepped into was, was different than the one that we live in right now, but I hadn't really thought about how people experienced sickness differently. You know, you read uh, stories in the Bible about people um, waiting by the, uh, the pool of Bethesda, which, again, if you don't know the story, it's a really compressed version of it here, but the, the pool of Bethesda, was, it was believed that there was an angel that would come and visit and stir the waters of the uh, fountain there, and that people would be sitting there waiting because it was, it was believed that if you, you know, jumped in the water while the water was being stirred by this angel, that you'd be healed of whatever sickness. And so people would be sitting around waiting for that to happen, sitting around waiting for a miracle. And again, some people would live out the rest of their lives just sitting there waiting. And again, because if you got seriously ill, that was just the best you could do probably. And so... Um, I. It, it, you know, here at Bethel, we love that God is still doing miracles. We love that God is still releasing healing. We love that he, he has, has um, delegated that power to all of his disciples, that, that, that through Jesus, we can all release healing by, by laying on of hands, by praying. And it, it's funny because I, while, while I've been a part of amazing individual situations where people have been healed of stuff that was really serious. I know we have testimonies even here at this church of people who have been in pain for many years or had a diagnosis that was, that was very severe, frightening, or even um, you know, terminal that, that was reversed by a miracle. And that's, that's incredible. That's amazing. But I, I, after reading this book and then after you know, entering this, these circumstances that we're in right now, for me, it just helped me sidestep a little bit into understanding the way that uh, someone would experience the kind of miracles that Jesus was releasing while he was on earth. That, you know, now, and I believe this is a good thing, we, we have the advantage of being able to go to a doctor who's likely to be knowledgeable about the, whatever kind of illnesses we're experiencing. But back then, that, that was not the case, or very, very rarely in, in certain places, and most people didn't have any kind of access to that. And I was just impacted by that, that Jesus, that, that when someone experienced a, a miracle, that Jesus was literally saving people of something that they couldn't understand, that they couldn't really, uh, couldn't really even, there was no other place to look for a solution. And he was just walking up and releasing them of not only the actual physical illness, but all, all, all the torment that went along with it. And I, I want to just 
in, this, in the middle of this time on Easter Sunday, on, as we celebrate the day that Jesus rose from the dead, as we celebrate the day that Jesus, that, that, the, that the plans of heaven came to their fruition, God's, God's, uh, the, the fruition of God's desire to redeem mankind back into himself, as, as we celebrate the day of those things coming together and coming true, I want us to, in especially a time like this, remind ourselves of exactly what we were invited into, what Jesus won for us, and what kind of life he's invited us into. It's something we talk about all the time, but it, it, it is at times like these where we can understand it and experience it and release it differently than we can in other times. And before I get into that, I want to draw just a little bit of a framework here of, of how I'm trying to kind of invite you into this. So um, I've been talking in the School of Ministry a lot lately about, about leadership. We have kind of core teachings that we uh, address throughout the year along with our, our other subjects. And for the uh, end part of the year, leadership is, is our core theme. And, um, you know, as we've been addressing these, these core themes, I've been kind of looking back at my own life at little lessons and experiences that I had picked up about these different topics. And so I was preparing to speak to the uh, first year students first, and I was just thinking through different lessons I learned about leadership. And one that I learned from my youth pastor was one that I, I feel has a lot of application for today. So um, ever since I was a little kid, I've been called a leader. Now, you may be thinking I'm prideful or whatever, but I, I've always had people say that, oh, Blake, you're a leader. Blake, do I see leadership on your life? Blake, you're a good leader. Now, when I was little, I just thought that was because Ah, I'm the oldest of all my my sister, uh, the, of all of my family. I'm the oldest of all of my cousins. And so yeah, I'm the oldest, so you kind of become a leader by default, you know? As I got older and older and I became more aware of the world around me, I realized, like, that people would always say, it's like, oh, you know, they would, uh, uh, youth uh, leader would be speaking to a big group of, uh, of youth kids at a conference or something like that, and we say, you know, oh, you're all leaders, oh, you're all to next year's future leaders, and, you know, my kind of semi-cynical brain would sit there and think, well, if we're all leaders, then who's leading, or who's being led, you know, if, if, if we're all leaders, then who's following who, and I just kind of thought, oh, you know, people keep saying, oh, you're a leader this, you're a leader that, but they kind of say that about everyone. It's one of those, you know, nice, pat you on the head, general sort of compliments, and I kind of slotted it into that place in my little internal file cabinet, if you want to take it that way. And so um, now some time went on and I uh, started getting really connected with my youth pastors. I started to get into college and things like that. I kept serving on the, on the youth team. And my youth pastor one day said to me, uh, one day when he was in, we were meeting, he just said, you know, Blake, you're a leader. And, you know, I was a little older, a little bit more defiant, a little bit more angsty. So I said, what do you mean by that? What do you mean I'm a leader? No one's following me. I don't have a group of people I'm in charge of. I'm helping you out doing this. And he paused and he said, Blake, you're, you're, you're a leader because people are watching you. And it was the first time I had ever heard someone say anything exactly like that. And, and right away, it, it clicked into place in my mind. Um, and, and the other thing that he said to me was, he said, Blake, people are watching you to see what it looks like to have a relationship with God. And at first I was kind of taken aback, like, what do you mean? And then I, I 
realize something. You know, if you've been here a while, you know that a big part of my life is that I've just always really loved the prophetic. I love the prophetic ministry. I, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up as a missionary kid. But when I, was, when I was 12 years old, we started going to a church that taught about prophetic ministry and really trained and equipped people to, to hear God's voice that way. And even though I had grown up uh, hearing about Jesus, even though I believed in God, even though I loved him, that experience of learning to hear God's voice right now for myself, hearing, hearing what he wanted to say to me, what he wanted to say to, to someone else through me, um, to me, that was the first real experience I had with, wow, this is a real relationship with God that belongs to, to just me. It's not just what I believe with my family. It's not just you know, what, uh, what I grew up to believe. No, this is an actual true thing that belongs to me. And there is a God who's actually interested in being engaged with me that, that oh my goodness, this God I've been hearing about my whole life, the, the king of the universe, who, someone who is impossibly big, impossibly powerful, has made himself available to me, that he wants to talk with me. Not just have me just send up prayers to him, but actually converse with me, and for me, that was um, that was just one of the most profound revelations of my life. And so I threw myself into learning everything I could about the prophetic, about how to hear God's voice. I, I went on the prophetic team at our church. I practiced all the time, me and my family as, as well, and I just pursued, pursued, pursued this. Not because I was trying to do anything other than follow this hunger to intimately know. The, the, this God who had made himself available to, to me, to us. And so I, I realized that not, again, not because I was trying to be a leader, but I had spent years of my life trying to build a relationship with God. And whether I had the best relationship in the world or a mediocre relationship with him, because of that pursuit, I had a reputation as someone who knew how to prophesy, who could hear God's voice. And again, doesn't really matter if I was the best at that or not. Because of that, people would look at me to get a picture of what it looks like to hear God's voice, to be a person who hears God's voice. And as my youth pastor said that, people are looking at you. I, I realized that, oh my goodness, I, that we are, um, even by just being myself, I am being an example to other people by whatever I value, by representing whatever I value, by representing hearing God's voice, by representing uh, being a Christian, loving God, that there are people around me who I am the only or the best example of what it looks like to be a Christian. Not because I'm the greatest person in the world, but because to some people, I might be the only one that they really know. And I wanted to address this because we can hear things like you're all leaders or you're, you, know, you all carry authority. And I want you to understand right now where you are. That's not an, uh, a blanket statement. That's not an idle, uh, idle compliment. That is an expression of a reality that out of your very identity, because you value certain things, do certain things, and, and uh, carry certain things, that just by the, the virtue of being a smart person, being good with, car, good with mechanics and, and fixing cars, by, by being good with kids. Whatever it is you do, you are leading in those areas. Because Why? Because there are people who are looking at you to see what it looks like to be one of those people. And right now, I want you to recognize that you 
are someone that is being looked at by other people to see, man, how does a Christian operate during a season like this? Moreover, how does a person who believes in miracles operate in a season like this? I want us to be very careful. I don't want that to create false pressure. I don't want that to create a performance mentality where I have to say the right thing or be perfect or anything like that. That, that would be uh, you know, a bummer. That would bring us into performance. However, to dismiss the reality that there are people who are watching us is to miss out on the, on the opportunity, on the, on the influence that God has released on every single one of us. And it doesn't matter if it's two people or 5,000 people. It's irrelevant because God has positioned you to influence people during a season like this. God has positioned you to be a Christian, which literally translated means little Christ, a representation of who Jesus was when he was here. He showed people in a season when there was, there was a plague of leprosy, there, were, there was tons of lepers going around, an incurable, horrible disease, and he showed people how they could be restored, that he released healing to people, he released hope to people. In a time of occupation by a foreign power in Israel, he showed people how to operate in love, how to operate in authority, It's a beautiful picture. He showed people how to sleep through storms. He showed people how to do something difficult. I mean, go to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's not like Jesus just, oh, everything's super easy, no problem. I'm just perfect all the time and every task that I have is easy. No, we we see that Jesus was maybe even experiencing the emotion of fear as he approached the cross because he said, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass before me, but I want to do your will. That, that is showing that Jesus didn't just use his superpowers to do this. No, he pulled on his relationship with God to empower him to be the light of the world. And I want to just take a moment to, to read to you one of my, one of my favorite scriptures. It's, um, I, I read it a lot because it's just one of my favorites and that's just how it is. But I, I want us to understand that Jesus has empowered us in this season to, be, to represent what he represented while he was here on earth. And this is in Matthew 5, 14. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples and the people who had been following him and gathered around him. And he says this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And that word good deeds isn't just like, oh, I'm doing you know, nice things. It's, it's doing good works. It's doing good around you. Right now, we have an opportunity to represent what Jesus presented while he was here on earth. And every day is a good day to do that. Whether, every, whether the economy is booming and everyone's healthy and everything is going well, or in situations like this when there's a lot of temptation to delve into fear, to mistrust, and, and anything like that. But what I want us to do is to right now remember that we have been commissioned by the Christ to be Christians, that he rose on he rose from the grave as a, as a representation of the restoration as, as the lamb that was sacrificed to cover all of, this, all of the sins of the world so that we may truly inherit the kingdom of God and be able to make his kingdom manifest here on earth. I don't want you to experience pressure 
that, oh man, am I, am I messing up my witness? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? No, I want you to recognize that Jesus has anointed you to represent him. He, by his grace, by his divine empowerment, he has prepared you to represent him. And he's, pre- he's prepared you to represent him differently than I would, differently than this person, differently than that person, but to truly represent him. So I just want you all to take a moment right now and I want you to just ask, Lord, how do you want me to represent you today? Lord, how do you want me to be who you would be here on earth right now today? And don't worry about whether he asks you to do something big or he asks you to do something small. Just do what he says. Maybe today it's just about being the light to your family, to your kids, to your intimate connections. Maybe tomorrow it's a phone call with someone. Maybe the next day it's a simple decision about while you're at the grocery store, how you engage with the people next to you, how you look at the people next to you, how you even think about the people next to you. But I want you to recognize you have been invited to be a Christian today, right now, here on the earth, to be a little Christ, to represent what Jesus brought to the earth right now. And so I'm just gonna pray for you guys as we wrap up here. God, wherever people are right now, in their homes, in their bathrooms, in their bedrooms, wherever they are, living room, basement, on their roof, I don't know. Lord, just, I just release the, the empowerment of Jesus to come to come to their attention, that they would feel that they have been empowered by you, that they would not feel an unhealthy pressure that to perform or to, or to do good enough, but they would recognize that they have been anointed by you to represent you as an ambassador of your kingdom in good times, in challenging times, and in any time between. And I just break any lie that would say that they're not good enough at it or they don't know how to do it or they don't know how to say it the right way or, or any of those kinds of things and release the truth that they have been uniquely anointed by you to represent you. And that is because you trust them and you have prepared them and empowered them for times like these and times like the ones that come after. And so I just bless them with the grace to see how they are being called to represent you. In Jesus' name, amen. And the, just the um, last thing, there's just a couple of words of knowledge here at the end. I just, I just felt that um, there were some of you this week, this is a little bit of a broad one, but I just felt like some people who were just starting to feel that, that angstiness, that like, ah, this is going on long and this is, I'm feeling bored, I'm feeling powerless. I just felt like this specifically for you, I can see Jesus knocking at your door, giving you plans, giving you purpose and giving you direction. That there is, that, that there is for any of you right now who are feeling directionless, who are feeling that kind of, ah, where do I put my energy? I just saw Jesus knocking on the door with these papers in his hand. He was sitting down next to you, talking through direction, purpose, and plans. And so I just released that to you right now. Um, the, the last thing that I, that I felt is um, there was, I just felt there was someone here who was, um, who, uh, and maybe this is a couple of you, but you, uh, you've, I feel like there's people, you're uh, in your house with people that you live with. And I feel like there's, whether it's a sister or a brother or something like that, but someone who you don't normally spend a lot of time with that you're now kind of having to spend a lot of time with and there's, that's kind of creating tension. 
I just saw the Lord showing you exactly how to connect with that person, to actually repair any disconnect, some disconnections that may have happened in the past, and actually walk out of this season with a stronger relationship than you've ever had with that person in your life. It kind of felt like it was a brother or a sister. So uh, I'm going to bless that relationship right now in Jesus' name. And right now, today, during this Easter Sunday, find a way to celebrate the, the, fruit, the, the coming together, the, the fulfillment of God's plans to restore his children back to their rightful place, to restore their inheritance, and start talking with Jesus about what it looks like to express that inheritance, that mandate to be ambassadors of his kingdom on the earth today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.